James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And welcome to your Saturday morning. It is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. If you'd like to be part of today's program, all you have to do is dial 800-848-WABC. 800-848-WABC, my friends, we have had a busy week. 800-848-9222, give us a call if you want to talk about any of the things that have happened during this busy week. For instance, the student loans. Now, um, today's news says that all this talk about the student loans and what's going to happen, it will be October before those of you who want your money can get it, can apply for it. And even after you apply for it, who knows how long it will be before it's in your pockets. I mean, this is kind of what I guess we should expect from the government. They announce a big program, but they're not ready to implement it, right? Yeah. We're still making it up as we go along. It's basically (laughs) the Biden administration's modus operandi. In addition, of course, the affidavit, the heavily redacted affidavit, 28-page affidavit, I think what I read today was that 20 of those 28 pages are either heavily or completely redacted. That's ridiculous. I mean, they keep reporting that the affidavit has been, we, we don't know what's in the affidavit because most of it has been redacted. The overwhelming amount of information that is in this affidavit is not available to the public. In fact, there was a story, I believe it was either in WAPO or uh, the New York Times, that uh, the, the number of citations in this to human intelligence should trigger an alarm. It's the New York Times. Classified material on human intelligence sources helped to trigger the alarm. Now, what this means is pretty much that the folks over at the National Archives were so worried, so worried, that documents sitting at Mar-a-Lago behind a locked door would somehow be read or, or, or spies, enemies of the United States would find out what's in those documents sitting behind locked doors at Mar-a-Lago that they were concerned that human intelligence sources would be compromised. Yet, at the very end of the story, I mean, they make the case. This, this, this is a printed out, it comes up to almost four pages. But at the end of the story, in the New York Times, about how, oh, woe was us, Trump was hiding all of these documents at Mar-a-Lago, and we were alarmed, and people were alarmed in the archives because human intelligence could have been compromised, comes this paragraph, and listen to this. Until more about the nature of the documents is publicly known, it is impossible to tell what, if any, damage was done. But former officials stress that counterintelligence experts often will take measures to protect sources or change collection message if they believe a classified document could have been viewed by people not authorized to see it. So they don't even know. 
if anything was a problem here. These are the same people that told us that Hillary Clinton operating her laptop computer without, look, folks, Hillary Clinton had a server with State Department information at her house. She had another server run by her private company stuck in a bathroom somewhere in Colorado. If the FBI wasn't worried about information on Hillary Clinton's private server at her residence in Chappaqua, New York, that's up in Whitelandia, New York. If Whitelandia, yes. Because have you the taxes up there? Huh? Yeah. If the FBI was not worried about the private server at Chappaqua housing some of the most sensitive government communications from our State Department to world leaders, why in the world are we being subjected to all this smoke and mirrors talk about classified material behind a locked door at Mar-a-Lago from the president? Hillary Clinton was not the president of the United States. She did not, at the time, have the authority to classify or unclassify documents. President Donald Trump, the President of the United States, can classify or decide he doesn't want anything unclassified. He is in charge, not archivist, not bureaucrats who work from the National Archives, not people that work over at the DOJ, not Merrick Garland. Donald Trump was the president. He decides what is classified and what's not. And also, the law is very sketchy, apparently, on who decides what documents can stay and what documents have to go at the end of a presidential term. A lot of it is at the the preference of the President of the United States. Let us go to Mike Davis, 18, Diego. This affidavit, heavily redacted affidavit, uh, it, it, it further evidences that this Uh, This home raid on President Trump was unprecedented, it was unnecessary, and it was unlawful. And again, what I've been saying since August 8th, the president has the absolute constitutional authority to declassify anything he wants for any reason he wants, and he doesn't have to get permission from any bureaucrat at the National Archives to do that. And that is confirmed by a 1988 Supreme Court case Department of the Navy versus Egan. So there goes the underlying potential charge for espionage that's in this, uh, that was in this warrant. Mike Davis is the former law clerk to Justice Gorsuch. Again, I want you to play that again, because listen to the end of it again, particularly about the president's 
authority and the president's power. This affidavit, heavily redacted affidavit, uh, it, it, it further evidences that this uh, this home raid on President Trump was unprecedented, it was unnecessary, and it was unlawful. And again, what I've been saying since August 8th, the president has the absolute constitutional authority to declassify anything he wants for any reason he wants, and he doesn't have to get permission from any bureaucrat at the National Archives to do that. And that is confirmed by a 1988 Supreme Court case, Department of the Navy versus Egan. So there goes the underlying potential charge for espionage that's in this, uh, that was in this warrant. Mike Davis had this to say, cut 17, please, about who has the authority to decide what is personal, what is presidential. The president has the sole statutory authority to make the determination whether a record is a personal record that belongs to him or a presidential record that goes to the bureaucrats at the National Archives and then get, almost certainly gets sent back to the president to put in his former library, or in the former president's library. And that is confirmed by a 2012 decision by an Obama judge related to Judicial Watch and Tom Fenton's lawsuits against President Clinton related to eight years of audio tapes in his sock drawer. Are you hearing this? Every underlying argument that the Democrat Party has made and their allies in the mainstream press that President Trump has done something illegal here has just been taken out. Every argument that they have is worthless. It is not the bureaucrats in charge. This should remind you of what was going on during the, uh, the Russian collusion hoax when you had this, this guy, Vindman, and you also had that, that intolerable woman from the State Department arguing that President Trump didn't have the authority to make policy with regard to the Ukraine, that they, the bureaucrats, had the power to make policy, and, and the president was seen as, in their view, some sort of interloper. They had the authority to make the policy, not the president. These people have it ass backwards. They are not in charge. They are hired hands. They are the bureaucrats. Now in D.C., they believe that all they have to do, creatures of the swamp, is wait, wait out whatever president is occupying the Oval Office, that they really run things. But they don't. Statutorily or constitutionally, they are not in charge. The president of the United States has the executive power. That power is not vested in bureaucrats. Let us go to cut 16. Again, Mike Davis is a former clerk to Justice Gorsuch. And what we just talked about with Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State versus the president is something that he addresses this way. What is left? They're looking at obstruction. Well, it is legally impossible for a former president to obstruct investigations into non-crimes. The, the Justice Department did not have the power to even look at these crimes because it doesn't matter what the evidence shows in this affidavit, David, no matter what that evidence shows, as a matter of law, it is legally impossible for President Trump to have committed espionage, uh, espionage or to have violated some Presidential Records Act. The Presidential Records Act actually contemplates that former presidents have classified records. It doesn't differentiate. Congress gives former presidents office space, secure office space. They give the former president's staff security clearances, secret service protection to guard these paper records. 
And there's no allegation that any of these records got into the wrong hands, unlike Hillary Clinton's home server, where she had foreign governments hack the most highly classified secrets in our government, and she didn't get an FBI raid. So mm. what was so urgent that, that caused the Biden Justice Department to go get these records? What was so urgent indeed? It is a political urgency. And you want to know why it's a political urgency? Well, all we have to do is go to cut number 20, and we'll hear from a very familiar voice. This is what's so urgent. I know that there was an attempt to protect sources and methods, which was very important. But the fact that the president would have these documents really needs attention. That, of course, is the Nancy Pelosi. I am so tempted to go out of bounds and start calling names. Because to listen to this woman speak and spew this nonsense in spite of the law is just insane. This is ridiculous. Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. She is not the President. She doesn't decide what President Trump has the authority to take with him to Mar-a-Lago or not. It is not within her purview. She is a member of the legislative branch. She has no direct power over the executive branch except in the oversight capacity over agencies of the executive branch. That's where Congress's responsibility lies. This is Civics 101, okay? We have a system of checks and balances in America, wisely set up by our founders, okay? This is how this works, ladies for those of you that went to public schools where they don't teach civics, especially the younger generation. In America, the United States of America, we have three separate but equal branches of government. The executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch. The judicial branch decides, because they took the power themselves, Marbury versus um, uh, whatever, I forget the case name, Marbury, the Marbury case. They decided themselves that they held the sole power to decide what was constitutional or not. So they took that power and nobody's questioned them on it. Although, if you look in the Constitution, Article 6, the Supreme Court can be checked by Congress. Congress can decide that the courts have gone too far. Congress can set the number of justices on the courts. Congress can decide how the courts are going to be set up. If they had the political guts to do it, which they don't. But the executive branch is its own independent agency. Nancy Pelosi doesn't get to tell the United States president what to do. His powers are defined constitutionally. She doesn't get to tell Donald Trump which records he can take with him and which records he can't. It's none of her freaking business, if you want to just put it plainly. All of this, this entire case, is built on nothing. Nothing. At the end of the day, if this thing goes to the Supreme Court, we already have... I love this term, stare decisis. We already have precedent here. And the precedent, all of it, not just by 
a long shot, all of it, black and white letter of the law, gives Donald Trump the authority to do what he did. Period. End of story. It's not even close. This is not even questionable, except if you read the mainstream press, notice what they don't talk about. They don't frame any of this from the standpoint of what is constitutional, what is not. Because if they did that, they would have to say everything that we've been reporting is fake news. James Golden, A.K. Snurley. We're coming back right after this. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, A.K.A. Bo Snurley, is on the air. 77 WABC. Produced by Maurice White, Earth, Wind, and Fire. The emotions. Best. Of my love. It's Saturday morning. Have your first cup of coffee with us. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Again, if you'd like to be on the show today, whatever you want to talk about, fair game, 800 848-WABC. Now, here is what The Hill has to say. The Hill, of course, is one of the mainstay publications that Washington, D.C. politicians read. I, if you would have to put three pub- publications that, that, that the Beltway wraps themselves up in, The Hill would be one of them. Politico is another. Of course, The Washington Post. If you go deeper into it, some people still read Roll Call. Roll Call isn't what it used to be. And, of course, the New York Times, some of the most influential newspapers, none of them, none of them do the kind of job that conservative publications do in terms of giving you a fair view of what is really happening from the other side of the argument, not the liberal side. If you want to find the other side of the argument, then you have to turn this to places like American Wire News, BizPack Review, The Federalist, Just the News, The Daily Caller, Daily Wire, Washington Examiner, Washington Times. So there is a whole different universe that exists if you want to really find out what is going on. It is not in these mainstream publications. Here's what The Hill had to say. Heavily redacted affidavit says 184 classified documents found at Trump residence. Now, anybody reading that would say, oh, Oh, no, look at this. He was holding 184 classified documents. Oh, no. A redacted FBI affidavit used to convince a judge to approve a search warrant. An Obama judge 
who should have looked at the law and just said, this doesn't matter. The president has the authority to do this, so no, you cannot search his residence. Authorities concerned that Trump may have additional national security information. It is up to him. He can have it legally. It doesn't matter whether it's at Mar-a-Lago or not. Authorities concerned that Trump may have had additional national security information about his private residence was spurred by a review of 15 boxes recovered by the National Archives in January. The 28-page affidavit contains numerous redactions but indicates authorities believed evidence contraband fruits of crime. Fruits of crime, that's such bull. And other items illegally possessed. And therein, my friends is the entire crux of this story. Those two words, illegally possessed. It is not illegal for the president of the United States to have the documents that he had. There was absolutely nothing illegal about this. There is nothing illegal about it. So this entire process is nothing, it's just as phony as the Russian collusion hoax story was. The media carries it on and on like it's a big deal. At the end of the day, there is a nothing burger at the end of this. America right now is enjoying a nothing burger sandwich one more time. Thank you, Democrats. Thank you, a lying, corrupt, mainstream press. The Justice Department wrote this. They have not been handled in an appropriate manner or stored in an appropriate location. The Justice Department doesn't get to decide this. They don't get to decide what is an appropriate place, what is an appropriate manner. This has nothing to do with the Biden Justice Department. They are not in charge of what President Trump was able to do as President of the United States. Now, this thing may drag on. And it may go to court, and this may end up in the Supreme Court. If it does, there's only one way that theoretically, if the, if the Constitution is followed and precedent is followed, that this should turn out. And that would be that there's absolutely no basis. There was never a basis for this raid on Mar-a-Lago. There was never a basis for any of this. President Trump has the absolute authority to decide what records to take with them, what records not to take with them, how to store those records until he decides what, he do, what to do with his presidential library. And the Congress of the United States has nothing to do with it. A bunch of bureaucrats at the National Archives have nothing to do with this. This is his decision. This is further evidence to me of how corrupt the Department of Justice is. And you think for one moment that Merrick Garland, the man behind this, came close to being able to sit on the Supreme Court if, if, if Mitch McConnell hadn't blocked him. This is ridiculous. This entire affair is ridiculous. It is a waste of time. It is a waste of resources. It is a phony story, just as phony as the Russian collusion story was. There was no there there. It was all based on lies with the complicity of the FISA courts 
And now we have the complicity of this Obama judge, Reinhardt, who, by the way, was palling around with Jeff, with, with defended Jeffrey Epstein, donated thousands of dollars to Obama. This is all political. There is nothing about this that resides in legal necessity. Not one iota of anything here belongs in a courtroom. This is all political. This is Joe Biden, just like Obama did. This is the hate Trump movement that spread from the Obama presidency before Donald Trump was elected to the to the Trump years where Democrats had nothing but hatred for Donald Trump and displayed it at every single turn that they could. And now after his presidency, they're continuing and they are aided and abetted by a corrupt mainstream media who refuses to report on the truth and the Constitution of the United States and frame this from the position of what is constitutional and what is legal. Instead, they're just taking Democrat talking points and spinning a yarn for the American people that is not based in fact, not based in the Constitution, and not based in the truth. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here with you. It's Saturday morning. There's so much more to talk about, and we're going to get to it. Tucker Carlson did a show last night where he talked about the number of people that are dying, young people. And this is starting to catch hold. Mark Stein has been doing some brilliant work over on GB News, and he's been doing that over in Great Britain, pointing out the mortality rates now have been climbing dramatically for young people in this post-COVID vaccination world. Tucker Carlson picked up that theme last night. Tucker's another brilliant journalist that takes a lot of heat because he refuses to back down from these liberal narratives. We'll talk about that. These student loans, this latest giveaway, now the cost is, it went from $300 million when it was first announced, now the cost is being reported as a trillion dollars is what it will cost Americans. We've got that. There's an ongoing battle between libs of TikTok and one of these hospitals that performs operations on young people with transgender. And boy, you you talk about the, 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 the long knives. The long knives are out for libs of TikTok because she has been so effective in finding liberal voices and putting them on display. And now they're framing her as an agent of hate. And she's done nothing of the kind. All she has done is bring what liberals are saying on TikTok to the forefront. We've got all that. We've got more. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We're coming right back after this. Oh, knows politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Wang Chung. 
Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody have fun today. You know, if everything goes right, and it may, it may not. But if everything goes right, I'm going to be doing this show from London next week. Yeah, working on it. All right, so we've covered that part of it. Let's move to President Biden and his ugly, vicious remarks. You know, I am, again, I am really restraining myself. I want to call these people all kind of names because they are infuriating. Let's listen to how Joe Biden is now trying to I guess, stoke the fires. Remember, this is the guy that said he wanted to run for president because he wanted to unify the country. Oh, Trump was destroying the nation. And old Joe wanted to come back in and unify the country. Cut 33. We're at a serious moment in our nation's history. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. They embrace, embrace political violence. They don't believe in democracy. This is why in this moment, those of you who love this country, Democrats, independents, mainstream Republicans, we must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving America than the MAGA Republicans are destroying America. Kiss my ass. You know, really, how dare you, you sniveling, uh, don't let me go on there. Please stop, James. This is ridiculous. Americans that support Donald Trump, these so-called MAGA Republicans, are not destroying anything. Okay? Who is the person that is throwing away American prosperity? It is Joe Biden. Who just gave away a trillion dollars we don't have? Who just signed a bill for $780 billion that we don't have? Who just spent over $2 trillion on infrastructure where very little of it goes to infrastructure, the rest of it goes to slush funds? Where's all this money coming from? It's being printed. Why is inflation raging all over the country? Why are energy prices soaring? Who gave the COVID lockdowns? Who demanded that people have to take vaccines and now people are not sure whether or not Young people are being killed by the side effects from these things. Who is it that's destroying the fabric of American life? Who is it that's lying to America's children and telling them that they have no chance in the world unless they sign on to some ridiculous critical race theory that blames white people living right now for every ill in the world? Who is it that's dividing America by race, by gender? Who is it that's dividing this country in every political way possible, initiating phony attacks on a previous president? Why is there no trust in the electoral system? Why is there no trust? Why do people believe the election was stolen? Why do you stop the votes at 2 o'clock in the morning? Why do you stop counting? in front of the entire American country, and then complain when people are suspicious about you when your party is nothing but a bunch of liars, and that's been proven time and time again. 
and then you have the nerve to come out and say that we want to destroy this country, that MAGA people that, that support Donald Trump don't love this country? Who opened the borders? Who's letting fentanyl in this country by record numbers? Who has unleashed every illegal immigrant in the world to come through our southern borders and not defending the borders of the United States? Why, that would be you, Joe Biden. What party locked down America? What party told American children they couldn't go to school? And now American children are further behind in education than any other children in the world. Who did that? That was you, Joe Biden. That's your Democrats. That's your Andrew Cuomo. Who killed American citizens by throwing them in nursing homes and lied about it? That's your party. That's the Kathy Hochul's of the world who now wants to, Kathy Hochul had the nerve to say that, that keeping kids out of a school was a mistake, that telling them they couldn't go to school was a mistake. Who did that? That was your damn Democrats who did it. You people castigated Ron DeSantis for keeping schools open. And you still try to tear him down every chance you get. When it's clear that his way of doing things, the freedom that Florida residents had, the freedom that Christy Nome had in South Dakota, who attacked all these Republican governors who wanted to keep America open and free during COVID? Who was it? It was you. Which party elites, if you are pro-vaccine, we just heard from Nate Silver this week saying there is really strong evidence that the decision to delay vaccines was a political decision because they didn't want Trump getting the credit. Who does this to America? It is you. What party has undermined the American military forces all around the world? That would be your party. Cut 34. Let's listen to what else he had to say. There are no, not many real Republicans anymore. By the way, your sitting governor, he's a Republican you can deal with. We disagree. No, no, I'm serious. But at least he's within the mainstream of the Republican Party. I respect conservative Republicans. No, you don't. I don't, don't. respect these MAGA Republicans. MAGA Republicans are conservative Republicans, Mr. Biden. You wouldn't know. How would you know? You're too busy taking money from your freaking son. Money that comes from dubious sources that we still don't know anything about. With the FBI working with social media companies to block that information, to help throw an election. Who cares what you have to say? You are the epitome of dishonesty. Oh, by the way, why isn't this being reported in the news? It turns out that that diary that was supposedly, we have now two people come forward and plead guilty to stealing Joe Biden's daughter's diary. Do you know what was in that diary, among other things? She accused her father of molesting her in the shower multiple times. Why aren't we hearing that in any of the mainstream press? Do you know? What would be in, a, in the press right now if a diary from Ivanka Trump was stolen and in that diary Ivanka said, oh, my dad was molesting me in the showers? Do you imagine that that wouldn't be reported all over the news? That is what is in Joe Biden's daughter's diary, that her daddy molested her. 
Why isn't that being reported in the mainstream press? And this, this creature has the nerve to get out here and castigate half of America. Half of America for being fascist, semi-fascist. Joe Biden is a disgrace as president of the United States. Now, I don't know the man personally. I've, I talked about this in my book, Rush on the Radio. I have met Joe, not met him personally. I have seen him in passing many times when I was in the Capitol. Joe Biden always spoke to me for some reason, was always nice and whatever. And I say, you know what? Nice guy, maybe, in person. But as president of the United States, he is a disaster for the United States. And I want to know why our press is doing such a horrible job on reporting the truth. Now, I'm not accusing the guy, by the way, of being a molester. I don't know whether he did or not. But I find it weird that there's no press coverage of this guy's daughter saying that in the shower he molested her. You would think that that would at least merit a news story. That some enterprising reporter in our wonderful national press who can't wait to report that Donald Trump took a few documents down to his place, even though it's legal in Mar-a-Lago, you would think one of those reporters would say, Mr. President, your daughter in a diary said you molested her in a shower. Is there any truth to that? Meanwhile, he's out calling us names. He's out calling Americans names, telling you and me that we are fascists. Well, I'm going to say it one more time. I am not a fascist, Mr. President. You can kiss my ass. Oh, knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Well, I bet you Debbie's going to call me. My language police, who tells me I shouldn't ever say things that are not nice on the radio. And so I apologize for telling the president of the United States to KMA. I'm sorry, but I just, I'm, this makes me so, inf- this is worse than this whole basket of deplorables thing. How dare this man accuse us of not loving our country when he is doing everything in his power to destroy it. Do you know I have a story in the stack today that there are uh, that that many Americans right now, and I forget the number. I'll find the story that right now Americans are growing increasingly behind in being able to pay their energy bills because of the cost of energy. That many Americans are going into debt because they cannot pay their energy bills. What happens to America's senior citizens this winter? What's going to happen to them when, when elderly people who are on fixed incomes cannot pay their natural gas bills or their oil bills, and they have to sit in their house with the thermostat down because they are so worried about money that they're going to be in their house freezing? There are real consequences to what this president has done. What happens when elderly citizens cannot afford to buy nutritious food because the cost is too high, because of the inflation that this man with his idiotic policies has wrought on America? And yet he sits here and tells us that we are destroying America? 
There are real consequences to everything that Joe Biden has done. There are real consequences to everything these Democrats are doing. In California this week, you know what they did? They're starting their long march to ban gasoline-powered cars. And Washington State today, that 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 so-called governor in that state, Inslee, has said he's going to follow suit. Oh, California did it, so it must be okay. I guess I'll do it too. Jerk. So now in Washington State, where you got so many homeless people. I I talked to a friend of mine in Washington State yesterday. He said that downtown Washington State in Seattle, the businesses, so many businesses have closed up that now you go to downtown Seattle and many of the fine businesses there have now boarded up and left downtown Seattle because the criminals and the homeless have taken over. And it's not safe to be in downtown Seattle. This is what liberals have done. And yet they sit here and tell us that we want to destroy America? In Washington, D.C., you have that woman who apparently has the IQ of a pencil eraser telling kids that they can't come to school unless they get vaccinated. 40% of the black kids in Washington, D.C. are not vaccinated. She's telling them, screw you, screw your education, you will not come to school. Well, there was such a pushback from that that now they've moved that to next year. They're going to let some of them in this year. But this is what they're doing to American children. They're telling you, unless you get this vaccination, you can't come to school. And by the way, if you happen to die of some unexplained consequence, don't you dare look to the vaccine companies because we've given them immunity. And nowhere in this do we see, let's follow the money and find out who's making the billions from this. We don't even know whether the NIH under that Dr. Fauci person is receiving royalties on any of the vaccines because we're not allowed to know that by law. There is so much crookedness going on in this country. Joe, Queens, New York. Let's start on the telephones. How are you? It's our Saturday morning radio Uh, extravaganza. Hi, Joe. Hi. How are you, Mr. Snurdly? Thank you so much for your fantastic, honest appraisal of what's unbelievable with anybody with half a brain can see what's going on. And it's just disgusting. This is not the country I grew up in. And it's uh, certainly one that uh, is going downhill because of these liberals that are in charge i mean really when you say it as it is just call it what it is the left is doing what they want to do and they think everybody is stupid and you nailed it you nailed it i mean thank god you know for people like you and people like rush because he's spinning in his grave with what's going on i mean donald trump whether you like the man or not he did more for this country than any of those presidents put together. And they hate him. They hate him with a passion because, you know what? He was a businessman. He wasn't a politician. He was not in the good old boys club, which they have both sides. And it's really, really them just taking care of themselves and using our tax dollars to enrich themselves 
and turn us into a third world country. And enrich their cronies. That's exactly right, Joe. Yes, 1,000%. And anybody that disagrees with them gets labeled that, oh, no, you guys are the ones that are the bad people. I got an aunt that's 92 and a half. She said, what are we, what, I said, what happened to this country? I had a friend that I used to work in a building. He was a 98-year-old World War II veteran, fighter pilot. And he says, it's just unbelievable. My father fought in World War II. He's, he got wounded in the Battle of the Bulge. You know, these people that are in charge and just doing what they're doing, and they don't care about our values, and they swore an oath to our Constitution, they should all be charged because they're not upholding what they swore. You know, do as we say, not as we do. And then the automakers, now that are getting paid not to make vehicles because they want to have all of these electric vehicles? Look, absolutely right. Look, I'm not opposed to electric vehicles. I've ridden in a Tesla. They're great cars. But you know what? This is, it should be about freedom, not a mandate from the government. And these people that are saying, okay, we have to go all electric, California cannot produce enough electricity right now. They already have rolling blackouts. They can't produce enough electricity now. And they're demanding that all cars go electric? That is going to require all cars to have to be charged? Breaking news for any of you environmentalist wackos. The only way you can charge your electric cars is with fossil fuels. That is what supports the electric grid. We don't make enough energy from these little wind tunnels that killed thousands of birds. We don't make enough electricity from the solar panels that burn birds as they cross over and other avian life. The only way to power up all these electric cars will be a deeper investment into fossil fuels. You are being played. Mike, Joe, I'm sorry. Joe, it's always great to to hear from you, Joe. Thank you so much. Do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Let's go to my friend Teddy. Teddy in Yonkers. Hello. Good morning. Welcome to our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Teddy, how are you? Good morning, Bo. Bo, like I said, I would like i take you out for breakfast or lunch, and we'd have a, a good conversation, and we would walk away. We would have a, a vehement conversation, and we would differ, but we would walk away as friends. And yep. that's and that is what is missing today, Bo. And I don't. I wish we could do that again, like we had with Reagan and Tip O'Neill. Oh, they hated Reagan, and even with Tip O'Neill, they Tip O'Neill they hated Reagan. Boy, they hated Reagan. But anyway, what do you disagree with me about today? Oh, number one, I like Liz Cheney. Number, <gasps> I like Dr. Fauci. Oh, is, is he perfect? No. Oh, the idea in in science, you learn new things as you go along. No one knew everything about this COVID, Bo. They didn't know everything, so therefore... They, they had- should have. Fauci was helping to pay for it. Why didn't he know? And then he lied to Congress about it and said that there wasn't any gain-of-function research under his watch. But the NIH says differently. They say, oh, yes, there was. 
And I hope that after he's gone, that Rand Paul, I hope the Republicans bring him up one more time. You know, he said yesterday that if Congress brings him up, he'll consider. Megyn Kelly went off. Do we have the Megyn Kelly soundbite anywhere? Because Megyn Kelly was not having it. Okay, Dr. Fauci said that if Congress calls him after that he's retired, he'll consider whether he wants. Listen to what Megyn Kelly said about that. He sounds like he's been invited to afternoon tea at one of our houses. I will consider it. I'll consider it. You know, only if it's oversight, because what I experienced was personal attacks. I will go if it's true. Oh, f- you, Dr. Fauci. You don't get to say whether you go. You get a congressional subpoena, you show up, or you get the Steve Bannon treatment. Yes, she said it. She went there. (laughs) Teddy, you continue. Your turn. Yeah, and uh, getting back to the law clerk who was the law clerk for Judge Gorsuch, I'm sorry, Bo, you cannot tell me, and I've heard contrary viewpoints from the, the law clerk who said that any president has a right to declassify everything. Oh, what is the, that is so idiotic. And a, a person with a normal IQ can realize that that is not using any type of common sense. Who is in charge of the executive branch? Is it the uh, Department of Archives in America? Is it, uh, who, who's in charge of the National Archives? Uh, who, who gets to decide where the president's papers go? The president or some bureaucrat underneath him? I don't know the answer to that. Bob. I do. The president. He's in charge of the executive branch. Look at your constitution. This isn't hard. See, what you claim to be a difficult decision is not difficult. Look at your constitution, Teddy. It lays out the powers. The president has the power. It's not like there was some Department of Archive person telling George Washington, hey, Georgie Porgy, listen, your two terms are over, but leave those documents behind, huh? There wasn't some bureaucrat telling John Adams, hey, Johnny, thanks for the service. Um, We're in charge of your documents. There was no bureaucrat telling Tom Jefferson, Tommy, hey, Tommy, thanks you. We like that declaration thing, and we like you as President Tommy. But listen, we want your papers. We're in charge of your papers even though you were president. It never happened. Nobody told that to Abraham Lincoln either. Bureaucrats are not in charge of America. The president is the president. The president runs the executive branch, not a bunch of paid-for political hack bureaucrats. It's in the Constitution, Teddy. Teddy, I love you. I always love talking with you, Teddy. Hour number one, done. Hour number two and three coming up. Don't go away. Our Saturday morning radio extravaganza will continue. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number duo. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Remember tonight, 
Cousin Brucey comes with Music Radio WABC. Over the weekend, you'll get a chance to hear Mr. Piscopo do Sinatra. That show, of course, sponsored by Ramsey Mazda. And you'll hear Dina Martin. We have all kind of great music programming here on the weekend. And Larry Kudlow comes up after this show. Get the WABC app, my friends. We stream all day, all night, 24-7 here on WABC. Keep us with you. Uh, let's go to, uh, uh, is it American Wire, this story? It is AmericanWireNews.com. Uh, Alex Brinson highlights one data point that can't be dismissed amid excess post-vaccine deaths. This is how this story begins. Fox News host Tucker Carlson spent considerable time on the effects of the COVID-19 vaccination on Thursday's episode of Tucker Carlson Tonight before bringing on former New York Times reporter and author Alex Berenson to discuss a a higher number of deaths in young people. Again, to discuss a higher number of deaths in young people after mandatory COVID vaccination. Berenson highlighted the one data point that can't be dismissed, which is all cause mortality. Now, if you don't know what all-cause mortality is, let me try to explain it in my own words. There is a rising number of deaths all around the world in young people. In fact, Tucker Carlson opened the segment by noting the sudden shift by some in the media blaming former President Donald Trump for allegedly pressuring the FDA to authorize the first COVID vaccinations on an accelerated timeline that didn't allow for adequate testing. He cited a tweet from the German government stating that at least one out of every 5,000 vaccine shots causes, quote-unquote, serious side effects, including heart inflammation, myocarditis. The Fox News host also highlighted five doctors in Toronto who died in July, including a 27-year-old triathlete who died after swimming competition, a 50-year-old Olympian who died after a run. There was also a 37-year-old cycling champion in Scotland died of a heart attack two days after winning a national mountain biking championship. Carlson says these are not people who are sitting on the couch smoking weed and eating Doritos. And while it can't be said with certainty that it's related to the vaccine, now that Trump is being blamed, it's suddenly okay to talk about the deaths. Now, we can't know why all this has happened, but the point is we're allowed to notice now, and that's significant, especially since some places are still forcing children to take the vaccine, and that would include most colleges in the United States. Let me just say this about that. In Washington, D.C., you have this mayor, this, 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 this totalitarian autocrat, Ms. Bowser, demanding that parents give up their right to determine what's best for their children. She and the other Democrats alone are going to tell you 
oh no, your children have to be vaccinated. There is a push on in across the country to make sure that toddlers and infants are, are now vaccinated. And the question is why? By their own numbers, the own numbers that were presented out by our government, there is a 0.01 chance of young, and by young, I mean toddlers dying from COVID. 0.01. Once again, 0.01. That is not to say that there are not some deaths. There may be a very few. That 0.01 doesn't mean there are none. It means, though, that it is such a low number that statistically it is zero. Yet, we're being told that these young children have to have vaccines. There are reports coming in. Mark Stein has done a brilliant job reporting on the number of people that are now dying at young ages and how the mortality tables are shifting. And this is after, of course, two years of COVID and after the vaccines. Mark Stein is not saying, neither is Tucker Carlson here, that the vaccines are to blame. What they are pointing out is that there is something happening that is very strange when it comes to mortality rates among young people and among healthy people. There's something that is taking place, not just in American society. It's happening in Great Britain. It's happening in European nations. It's happening around the world with people that have taken the vaccine. Where vaccine, I should say, where rates of vaccine are high, where people took the vaccine are high. And again, I am not saying I am not a doctor. I am not saying that there is a causation. I'm saying there are two sets of facts that need to be examined. One fact is that infants... Do not get COVID. So why are we pushing? Statistically speaking, why are we pushing them to get a vaccine when they don't stand a mortality risk? Why is Mayor Bowser and why are other uh, tyrannical Democrats demanding that your children get jabbed when there is statistically very little evidence, science, that they're in harm's way? Why? Why? And the other hand is, what is the explanation for this increase in mortality rates around the world among young people? Why is it happening? We need answers to those questions, my friends. Now, I'm not going to go out on that limb and say, yep, this is definitely what's causing it. But I think if you care about your children, you'd want to know, wouldn't you? Before you tell your kid, okay, go in here and get stuck with this needle, you'd want to know a little bit about what's going to happen to your kid if they do it. What are the chances that something could happen? You'd want the right information. Well, we're not getting that part of the information from the government. Here's what else we're not getting. We're not getting a responsible response about what happens if. What happens if you do have horrible side effects? Who pays for it? Are the vaccine companies going to be held accountable if indeed there's something wrong, or are they going to work, walk away with immunity? By the way, where's the money for all this going? Who, who's making out like bandits? Who makes millions of dollars from these things? 
I maintain to you, ladies and gentlemen, that the entire, and I said this earlier this week, and I don't want to keep repeating myself and boring you, but I just really want you to take, take, take hold of this thought. The entire way that this pandemic has been dealt with is the biggest scandal in human history. We have a disease that came from somewhere in Wuhan. We still don't know how it managed to escape the laboratory. At first, they told us it came from a wet market. There are no wet markets within 50 miles of Wuhan. It came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's where it came from. Now, we don't know why. We were told that Americans didn't have anything to do with this Wuhan Institute of Virology, but it turns out the NIH was helping to fund research with these viruses. Dr. Fauci lied about that. It's just, there's no other way to say it. He lied about that. Okay? Or either he's operating, if he didn't lie, he's operating with an entirely different set of facts than what the rest of us are operating with because we've been told now by other officials that, yes, the NIH was involved in helping to fund gain-of-function research at the Institute of Virology in Wuhan. And we're not doing it anymore, by the way, because they will not give us the right information about what happened over there. We had that news story two weeks ago. There's another aspect to this that concerns the vaccines, that concerns all of this. When Donald Trump first came out and said hydroxychloroquine and zinc can help you do this, the, our media went ballistic. Right away, there was a study that was released that said, no, this didn't happen. The media ran with that to try to make Trump out to be some kind of fool. It turns out that whoever put that story together, and I've forgotten the details of who did it now, it turns out that that was fraudulent, that, in fact, hydroxychloroquine was effective. Now, I can go on record. This is anecdotal. I had a really bad case of COVID that almost killed me. That's not an exaggeration. The thing that turned it around for me, that turned around my case of COVID, was an infusion of hydroxychloroquine. I had a frontline doctor, meaning I had a frontline doctor who, when everybody else was saying, oh, these treatments don't work, insisted on this treatment because it did work. And she was absolutely right. And my doctor has to remain hidden. I can't mention her name because she, like so many other medical professionals, are afraid that their livelihoods will be over because they're not on the right side of the political spectrum anymore. Hydroxychloroquine and all the other cures like ivermectin that people have used successfully. The media has ridiculed people that did it. They say it doesn't work, and they're liars because for many people it did work. And there are people up and down the United States and the world that will testify as to how it worked in their individual cases. But the media says it doesn't, and the Democrat Party says it doesn't, didn't because they wanted to hurt Donald Trump. That is the politicization of science. That is a huge scandal in this. Do you know that hydroxychloroquine, the average dose of that, only costs 19 cents per dose? What is the cost of the, of the vaccine? All we know is that it has cost 
the United States and other countries billions and billions of dollars and has made pharmaceutical country, company executives very wealthy. In fact, two of the Moderna has became billionaires within a year of this thing hitting the market. <clears throat> we don't know how much of that money finds its way back in political donations, if any. We don't know if people at the NIH who uh, referred this and who told us that this stuff is useful uh, were, in fact, part of the, the, the groups that get royalties from it because they are shielded from telling us that by law. We don't have to know. We have no right to know if the people at it, like Fauci are making a profit on this. We don't know. And I'm not accusing him of doing it. I don't know. It just seems odd to me that we can't get the information. It seems odd to me that this whole thing has become a political football. It seems odd to me that doctors who spent their entire lives and nurses caring for their patients out of love of what they do now have to fear for their careers if they're honest about what they have observed with their patients and about what their conclusions are about what works and what doesn't. It has all been politicized, and this complicit media, the same people that are lying about these, the, this Trump affidavit, the same people that lied about the collusion hoax, the same people that won't confront Joe Biden and ask him if, in fact, he molested his daughter, the same people who won't look into the Hunter Biden thing, the same people who withheld that from the last election, the same people in this media will not give you the straight answer on why certain medicines have been banned, on why certain doctors and nurses have been banned from social media platforms for telling the truth about what they experienced with their patients. This is the single biggest scandal in human history because we are talking about millions of people who have had this who have suffered with this disease, some have long-term effects. Many hundreds of thousands, if not millions, have died. And we can't get straight answers from our government, and we cannot get straight answers from those in the scientific or the medical community who are charged with delivering the truth. This is the single biggest scandal in the history of the world. This is like, imagine living in the times of the plague, and there being a cure for it, and except the cure is being suppressed for political reasons. This is the same thing. And now they're demanding that your children be subjected to this. And if your children suffer any consequences, the people that are responsible for bringing this thing to the market don't have to pay any consequences. We have an utterly corrupt media in this country. It is beyond corrupt. This, is, this borders on criminality of an order that's unbelievable because they are costing people their lives with their political reporting and politicizing science and politicizing health matters. They are costing people their lives, literally. We have a Democrat party that is highly complicit in this. We had policies issued by Andrew Cuomo that caused thousands of people, their lives, and yet no consequence. And I'm talking about the deaths in New York nursing homes, directly attributable to the consequences of what Andrew Cuomo did as governor and Governor Hochul. 
This is the single biggest, deadliest scandal in the history of the world. And yet, if you talk about it, you're labeled a kook, you're labeled a nut. I want to keep talking about it because this deserves to be talked about, and we deserve answers. We as a people deserve answers. If we are ever going to get our country back, we have to make way for the truth. We must not be afraid for the truth to be told to the American people and to the people of the world. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back. Our Saturday morning radio extravaganza coming back right after this. Now, here's the soul of excellence. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly on 77 WABC. Michael McDonald, right? Yeah. Ooh, that's a bad baseline. I keep forgetting. Michael McDonald, boy, what a career he has had. It's our Saturday morning. Radio Extravaganza. Do we have Do we have the Doobies Real Love in the library? If not, we need to get it. That Real Love is one of my favorite Michael McDonald leads when he was with the with uh, the Doobies. Yeah. And the lyrics to this song. If you are a lyricist or you love lyrics, oh, what a story on this song. The Doobie Brothers, Michael McDonald, WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning. A radio extravaganza. If only just tonight, let me hear you lie just a little. the phones in a moment. I'm just grooving. Hope you are too. Remember tonight, Music Radio WABC with Cousin Brucey. Your days and nights are like a wheel that turns, grinding down a secret part of you that nobody knows.
We both lived long enough to know we trade it all right now for just one minute of real love. Let's go to Ralph in New Rochelle, New York. You're on the Saturday morning radio extravaganza with Snurley. How are you, Ralph? I'm doing well, Mr. Golden. Just so you know, I'm working this morning, but I'm listening to you. And it just just amazes me that President Biden, when he's talking about the Republicans and the opposition party, he seems like he's got his full faculties. He seems like he's a politician for 50 years, never worked a day in his life. And then when he's asked questions about the issues that affect the modern working man and the regular people on the street, he fumbles and bumbles like he belongs uh, in a retirement home. Mm-hmm. What is mm-hmm. with this guy? I mean, he's never dug a ditch, hung a piece of sheetrock, fixed a toilet, ran an electrical circuit, and he wants to, you know, forgive the debts of people that went to college that are supposedly educated and get a better paying job than the working man. This is such a great point. It's a great point, Ralph. This is exactly it. But you know, you know, I had Ari Fleischer on the show this week, and he has an Ari Fleischer has a new book. Let me find the book right here. Here's the book. Yeah, we got the book there. It's called Suppression, Deception, Snobbery, and Bias: Why the Press Gets So Much Wrong and Just Doesn't Care. Ari Fleischer. Now, one of the points that Eric Fleischer made is that there is one group in America that is completely aligned with Democrats, only one group, and that is college-educated liberals. They are the only group that is completely lockstep with the Democrats and their ideology. So when you look at it, this is a smart move by Biden. This is like shoring up the base. Let me make sure that I can get the base out here for the midterm elections by throwing them some money. And that's all this is, this this, this student loan. He's not trying to be fair to you. He doesn't care about the people that, as you say, put in the circuits, the people that wire the houses, the people that put up the sheetrock. Why, that was Donald Trump. And by the way, it was. It was Donald Trump who understand what the day workers of America go to because he was a builder. And those were the people that he had to connect with to make sure that his buildings were built. Right? It's not Joe Biden. And Joe Biden comes from that elite world. Never forget, Joe Biden was the guy that said he didn't want his kids going to those jungle schools. He didn't want his kids going to them schools with those black kids, them jungle kids. He wanted his kids to be in the elite schools. He wanted his kids out of harm's way. This is the guy that doesn't care how much money his son brought in from China or the Ukraine or whatever. Apparently the FBI doesn't care. This is the guy whose daughter says that he molested her in a shower, but we can't get the news in this country, the news uh, uh, agencies in this country to take a look at that story and either debunk it and say this is wildly offensive and horrible or 
she's telling the truth. One way or another, they should tell us something. Joe Biden lives in a world with his elite Democrats. And for the rest of you, you're a bunch of fascists. You MAGA people, you don't love America. Yeah, you may work to keep this country going. It's you that pay the taxes. It's you that bear the brunt of all the Democrat policies. But you're not the elite liberals, and so you don't love your country, and he hates you. And you're just a fascist. And the Democrats hate you. You're the, you're the deplorables. You are the basket of deplorables. You are the fascists. You are the evil people. That's what your president is telling you, the president who wanted to unite you. Always great to hear from you, Ralph. Enjoy work today. Keep listening. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. Yes, it's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, and we are coming back right after this. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, is on 77 WABC. Rick James. She's the kind of girl you can't take home to mother. She's a very kinky girl. Very kinky girl. The kind you don't take home to mother. I think she likes the boys in the band. Oh, yes, she does. I'm her favorite. I'm Rick James. That girl is pretty wild, no. I'm Rick James. Have you ever seen uh, 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 Eddie Murphy's brother, Charlie Murphy, do his bit on the Chappelle show? The original Chappelle show about with Rick James? It's hysterical. Yeah, Chappelle is going to be one of the guests at this thing I'm going to in London on Sunday if I can get there. And Chris Rock. Yeah. And Nile Rodgers and Omar Hakeem and the Foo Fighters are heading it up. Uh, let's head back to the telephones. Uh, let's go to Bob and Trumbull Connicut. Hi, Bob. How are you this morning? You really want to know? I'm I lousy. I want to know. How, why are you I'm lousy? lousy? Why? These Democrats have turned my golden years into rust. Ooh. I mean, it was supposed to be you get to an age and... You can relax and whatever, and you have money to go get something to eat. Well, guess what? what? They have turned it into rust. Your portfolio is not doing as well as it used to do under the Trump years, I bet. Not at all. You're paying more for energy. You're paying more for food. And they're still printing money like it's going out of crazy. So who knows what the dollar's going to be worth even next week. And by the way, your house that you thought was worth so much, there's there's a story today about how right now we're facing perhaps the bubble bursting on housing all around the country. And so your house is going to be maybe, maybe, if they're right, 
your house is going to be worth less. Oh, boy. That's probably right. Uh, I'm trying to keep it up, but everything is more. Even a can of paint now where it used to be $30 is now $55. For a can of paint. I know that because I bought one last week. I'm trying to paint the trim. But that's the reality of it. All, All... any retired person that votes Democrat is ignorant. Of course, anybody that votes Democrat is ignorant. Well, but they they were brought up in in this educational system that these people took over. But Bob, you're a fascist, don't you know that? I mean, you don't love America. You're a fascist. That's what your president says. Oh well, that's why I have a picture that I'm looking at right now of Ronald Reagan a copy of the Constitution, and another flyer that says etiquette for the proper display of the United States flag. Hmm. But do you take showers with your daughter and molest her? No. And that brings up another point of why Biden approved the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Hmm. I think the deal was that they would go into Melania's closet, <gasps> into into her uh, oh, laundry no. basket, yes, oh, no. into her laundry basket. Oh no! Bring bring yes, and bring him panties and oh, bra. Oh no! Yes. Oh think no! About it. They I don't even want to think about that. He, no, I don't want to think about it. He disappeared for a week. So what was he doing? He was there with the panties and bras that they flew back to him. And then he took the week off and went down to his basement and enjoyed himself for a week. Oh, boy, what an ugly thought. Mm, mm, mm. But you're a fascist, so I guess you would think that sort of thing about a... Think about this, this Russian hoax. This guy, Adam Schiff, is the Russian. Look at his middle name. It's a Russian middle name. No, Sakov. No, his middle name is Sakov. Ooh, rhymes with? His name is Adam Sakov Schiff. Mmm. That does it. If I wasn't convinced until now, now I'm convinced. Bob, here's what you got to do, though. You got to hang in there. Joe Biden's stewardship over this nation is temporary. And we have to take this country back from these leftists. It is a long battle. It is not for the faint of heart. We have been fighting liberalism and socialism since this country's inception It is a battle that we will continue. We cannot let these people define the American experience while we sit back and just take punishment from them. We have to have a good life in spite of them. We have to to do everything we can to start reclaiming the institutions of America, like the educational institutions, like the financial institutions, 
we have to start claiming back American cities if we are ever going to turn this country around. But in the meantime, one of the things that people are doing on the Trump side, I guess the fascists that Joe Biden would say, is that they're becoming engaged. We have people now that are watching the elections this time around. We have poll workers. We have people that are running, finally, conservatives for school boards. We have people that are saying, okay, enough is enough. We have to become more active. We have to start taking these positions of power from Democrats at the local level if we're going to succeed, and that's what's needed. So I just urge you, my friend, do not despair. Do not let this man ruin your entire retirement. Do not let these people ruin your retirement. Those of us that still have the ability to work, let's get out there and work harder than we ever have before. Let's not participate in their recessions. Rush used to tell us that all the time. You have a choice. You don't have to participate in their recessions. Let's not. Let's continue to work toward making this the America that it should be, and we just have to work harder. These people are ruthless. We have to work harder. I so love you, call. Thank you so much. Let us go to Denville, New Jersey, and speak with James. It is uh, Saturday morning. It's our radio extravaganza. Hello, James. How are you? Good morning, Bo. Uh, doing great. Last night I watched the second episode of the Uncle Tom webcast. Are you familiar with that? Not the webcast. I'm familiar with the movie. Okay. Um, well, maybe it's the same thing. It was it was a broadcast. Larry Elder and et cetera. Yeah. Okay. So what um, was really eye-opening for me um, was that uh, MLK was portrayed as a communist. He wasn't, though. Hmm. He wasn't. Here's yeah, the thing. I, I... Here's the thing. One of the things that um, Dr. King was about some things that now the left has embraced in certain ways when he started talking about um, economic equality and, and things like that. But Dr. King, if you look at what he, the main thrust of Dr. King's life is something now that liberals reject. And there's nothing communist about it. It is about judging a person by the content of their character. That is still the strongest message that Dr. King has left the world, that we should look past this superficial, this very superficial way of looking at the world, which is through the melanin in someone's skin, and actually look at who the person is. That is a message of, of, of individualism. There is also a message that Dr. King said, and he said it really plainly. And by the way, tomorrow is the anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech, so it's interesting that you would call with this today. But uh, Dr. King's message was that he loved America. That is not a communist message. He loved America, but he wanted America to live up to its promise. And if you go through the I Have a Dream speech, if you go through other of Dr. King's writings, what he said was he was not one to to agitate against America. He was all for America living up to its founding principles. He didn't denounce the founding of America. He embraced it. And he said, though, this is what we need to live up to. The idea that we have our citizens who are equal under the law. So Dr. King's message was anything but a communist message. It was a message that was pro-America. 
And it was a message that was pro-freedom. It was a message that was pro-individual. When you put those things together, my friend, that tells me conservative values. Those are the values. But here's the part of it, see, that, that, that most Democrats won't say. These are the values that most black people had in the 1960s, 70s, and all that. And those are, those are conservative values. Where the liberals in the Democrat Party have taken the black culture is to this extreme leftist point of view. Now you, they start talking about hatred. They start talking about how they hate white people, and white people have um, white, white people have this privilege, and white people are this and that. They should be segregated from white people in all aspects of life. This 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 CRT business is diametrically opposed to everything that Dr. King was about. The radical left has been embraced by this this so-called black leadership on the left. And look at what has happened to black culture as a result in this country. And look at what has happened to the American culture. Because they are not embracing America. They see themselves as the enemy of America. They see America as a country to be despised. They are not in favor of individualism. They promote groupthink. And if you don't think like them, then as Joe Biden said, well, you ain't really black. They're not about looking at people based on merit. They're about groupthink and group control. They're as far away, the Democrat Party today is as far away from Dr. King's message as anybody could be from an ideology. They are not embracing what Dr. King was about. And that's one of the reasons why this country is in such deep trouble. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza. We're coming back right after this. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Fleetwood Mac brings us back. The beautiful voice of Stevie Nicks, lead vocal. This is Dreams. This never gets old. Players only love you when they're playing. Yeah, you'll know. 
let us head back to no. Let us do this. Let us listen. Let us have a little listening party for a moment. Scott hooked you up something. Chief engineer Scott. Um, you found you said you found something with Bill Maher and who? Yeah, Fox was was uh, we had an article about uh, exchange between uh, Rob Reiner and Bill Maher last night on the uh, on real time. Well, let's hear it. So he's saying it's okay to have a conspiracy to get rid of somebody as bad as Trump. It's a little bit of a thorny question because once you go down this road, this is sort of where we are in this country. The other side is so evil, anything is justified in preventing them from taking office. Is it? No, no. You know what's not justified? Using armed violence to try to kill people in the Capitol. That's not justified. Answer How about this question? Me. How about is Antifa? It, was it, answer this question. Well, it is was the it appropriate? The question is, was, was it appropriate to bury the Hunter Biden? You're talking about the press doing the, that? He's saying that's what they did, and that is what they did. They buried the Hunter Biden story before the election because they were like, we can't risk having the election thrown to Trump. We'll tell them after the election. Well, and, and we know for a fact that that's what they did? Of course. You no, don't but follow I mean, this. Saying you you gotta... know for a fact that that's what they did? I don't know what they did. I know, because you only watch MSNBC. No, that's not true. That's not true. Well, then you would know about this. I do know about that. Well, you're acting I like you know about that. I do know about that, and I do watch Fox. Yeah, right. Meathead. Well, that's what Archie used to call him. So, anyway. You know what? You have something else over there I want people to hear. Now, this might take a little bit while longer. This is, um, it is called, let us see. This is called Don't Call the Police. Okay? Now, I want you to listen to this, folks. This was, I talked about earlier what's going on in the schools in Denver. In the, in the, this was in the Denver Gazette today, this story. And this is what was played, I think, in either Colorado Springs School or whatever, this is the audio from a video that was played for school children, middle school, in the, in the uh, Colorado area, in the Denver area. The United States has a long history of violence against people of color, disabled people, Muslims, immigrants, and LGBTQ people. In our current political moment, white supremacists and white nationalists have been emboldened. And as a result, public attacks are on the rise. Many people aren't sure what to do if they witness a racist or transphobic attack. Here are some ideas. It might be tempting to look away out of fear or because you aren't sure of what to do. Really? But not getting involved communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. Mm-hmm. If you can, talk with the victim. This is about talk supporting them. Talk to the victim them. while he's being, being a mm-hmm. Try not to escalate or provoke the perpetrator. Right. Simply sitting or standing next to someone is better than nothing at all. So it's go stand next to, to them while they're getting beaten. So try to breathe and stay present. Yes, breathe and stay present. As opposed to Many not breathe and be will absent. Document an incident going on. If it's safe to do so and the victim doesn't object, film or record an incident. This helps to keep track of the rise of incidents like this, and it also ensures that the victim's versions of events can be confirmed. Uh-huh. 
Wait for the biggie. Check this, in with the victim. Ask them what they need. This is being played Get in school. Get their consent and offer concrete ways to support them. Get them water. Help them get composed. Help them call a friend or even get to a safer place. The payoff is coming. Our presence often escalates rather than reduces uh -huh. the risk of violence in a situation. Because police have been trained to see people of color, gender non-conforming folks, and Muslims as criminals, they often treat victims as perpetrators of violence. So if the victim hasn't asked you to call the police, do not, I repeat, do not call the police. Okay, that's enough. So there you have it. White supremacists are taking over the country. The cops hate Muslims. The cops hate black people. The cops hate LGBTQ people. Well, in Torrance, California, that might be true. That's another story. But so the cops hate everybody. So if you see somebody getting beat down, this is what's being taught in schools. Don't call the police because the police are the evil ones. This is being taught in Denver schools with no apologies. Let us head back to the telephones, shall we? Ralph in New Jersey, how are you this okay, morning? I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, thank you, uh, Lord Lee and James. Um, okay, you, you uh, talk about the, the, the Tycoon virus, but with regard to uh, Dr. Clown, Anthony Fauci, we can never allow this man to be off the hook with regard to his collaboration with the, with the, with China, okay, over the Chaikom uh, virus uh, that comes out of uh, of that country, China, okay. And furthermore, the the question uh, of you know the gain of function has not been fully uh, answered. That's if right. If he ever answered it, if he ever answered it, it's in a vague. It's in a very unclear uh, kind of way. So we, he will be gone come December, but we can never allow this man to be let off the hook for his collaboration with the Chaikom and China. Okay? I so there, agree. There is really a there there. There is a there there. Beginning with him and then the EcoHealth Alliance and on and on and on. Uh, you know, Bo, if, if uh, part of this country is semi-fascist, what do you call people like Ilhan Omar? Mm. Uh, you know, uh, this animal that runs in the election there in, in Pennsylvania against Dr. Oz. And, uh, you know. Uh, now, let's uh, not call the man an animal. Let, let, let's not call the man an animal. Let's not do that. He is a human being. He's running for office against Dr. Oz. And uh, but he's an interesting type, I tell you that. And that is an election that we need to keep our eyes on, Ralph. I couldn't agree with you more though about these about Dr. Fauci. We can never he the, he has to be held to account. Of course, the Biden administration will not do it when Republicans take over the House. They already told Mar, Mar, uh, 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 Merrick Garland to keep his calendar open, clear his schedule, and keep all his documents. Same for Fauci. Fauci has to be held to account. I could not agree with you more, Ralph. Let us go to Andrew in Stanhope, New Jersey. Thank you for waiting. How are you this morning, Andrew? Good. You go from Martin Luther King to Dave Chappelle. 
You cover it all. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm re- I'm Rick James. Damn it! They never. You were talking about the N word. Yeah. The other, well, we can't say the phrase, the real N-word phrase on the money. Yeah, because he's like he used the biatch <laughs> word. I'm Rick James. Biatch. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um, speaking of the black community, my music point was uh, on uh, YouTube. A lot of the young people they do reaction videos, and uh, people from our generation request, you know, who they watch and critique. And Elvis, they flip the. And I was watching all African American young people, and just like back when he hit the scene in the fifties, the girls flip. Everybody likes him, but what I thought was interesting was that when they, you know, in the past, he was often accused of. Uh, you know, copying black music or stealing the music. And that kind of was personally offensive to me because I was from a black neighborhood myself in South Orange, New Jersey, Newark. So I kind of thought like, well, you know, that's who I am. That's where I was raised. He was raised in the South in actually segregated housing projects where there was one house for the white family. So, but it was much different, you know, his era in the 40s and 50s than my era in the 80s in the, you know, in New Jersey for African-American people. But I had that common connection. But today when I watch the young people and they learn that they're all like much more excited, like they're they're like, like him even more knowing that he has that history. And that See, Elvis them, was, like, what even, you're saying, Elvis was not a cultural appropriator. That this is the music exactly. that Elvis grew up with. That's your point. I love the point, Andrew. We're running out of time. Right, Thank and his you. accent is authentic. You know, he's not putting on. He a was an authentic performer. Is your point? Yeah, <laughs> right, Andrew. Thank you. Appreciate the call so very much. Listen, folks, we are done with our number duo. Just like that, snap your fingers. It's gone. Now, usually Princess Di is with us in the third hour. Princess Di is touring the country again. She has to do this three or four times a year to maintain her touch with the people her subjects princess die will be with us during the week so it's you and me in the last hour your telephone calls we've got some more audio got some more we got we got a lot more news to cover so don't you dare go away we're coming back our number trio on our saturday morning radio extravaganza don't go away James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And here we are at our number trio already. Boy, time flies when you're having so much fun. Thanking each and every one of you for being part of this Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Always a delight to be here. And time does fly. You know, Jacqueline and Carl just talked about a few things that I want to talk about here. One, her last story was about the uh, the buses coming into New York with the migrants. There's a story today. Uh, let us see where it is from. I always like to cite the sources so you can go look. This is an American Wire news story. Uh, migrant buses from Texas ramping up as New York sees the largest number yet. This is Governor Abbott. His plan to send all these great migrants coming into the country 
to New York. The latest caravan came in, 237 illegal aliens, 14 children. And they are all coming in from Tejas. Texas has bussed over 7,000 migrants to the nation's capital since April, over 900 to New York City. Now, we're, so we're not getting our fair share. Most of them are going to Washington, D.C. And I think it's time for Eric Adams to demand that Governor Abbott send the fair share of illegal immigrants to New York that we deserve. We are a sanctuary city. We welcome illegal immigrants with open arms. We want them in our schools. We want to pay for their health care benefits. We want um, illegal immigrants here in New York. So why is it that Washington, D.C., Mayor Bowser gets 7,000 and we only get 900? It's just not fair. And I would like very much for you, ladies and gentlemen, to join me in demanding that Eric Adams do something about this. We want our fair share of illegal immigrants. And we want them now. If, te- if Texas can send 7,000 illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C., we have more resources than Washington, D.C. We have a better subway line, of course. May not be as safe as it used to be. But that's okay. We have more hotels that we can stack illegal immigrants in. We have schools that need them because a lot of New York school children bailed out after COVID. They're not coming back to school, and we have to keep the numbers up so we can get the federal funds. It's not fair. If if Texas can send 7,000 illegal immigrants to, to Washington, D.C., surely... They can send at least 10, 15, 20, 30,000 a month here. I mean, can't they? Mayor Adams said that illegal immigrants are being forced to travel to D.C. and New York, and they're being mistreated. Well, that's not true. The, The governor of Texas says that that Adams lied about that. He fabricated claims that Texas isn't treating these migrants well. To be clear, he said, any migrant who boards a bus from Tejas to New York has already signed an agreement to come. So if that's the case, we want more. Send us more. We welcome immigrants here. Now, there is usually, I'm not a fan of Megan McCain. I wasn't a fan of her daddy. But something happened in New Hampshire that is ridiculous. The Libertarian Party ran an ad. This is in uh, American Wire News as well today. The Libertarian Party ran an ad, and what it shows is McCain, Megan McCain, crying hysterically over her father's coffin. He died August 25th in 2018. 
So Thursday was the fourth anniversary of John McCain's death. The ad that the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire ran showed a picture of of Megan McCain crying over her dad's coffin, flag-draped coffin, and the caption above it said, Happy Holidays. Now that's just vile. Making fun of the woman grieving over her dad's coffin. That's just vile. This is the kind of stuff I don't understand. I don't understand how, why anybody would think that that would be something that they wanted to do or a good idea. I don't, I don't get it. It's sick. And that's just, a, it, it's a disgrace. I, I hope whoever's behind that, that ad is tossed out of the Libertarian Party. It's not worthy of any political party to do something like that. I played the the audio from the video clip. <clears throat> that was at Denver South High School. Don't call the police. Police have been trained to see people of color, gender non-conforming folks, and Muslim as criminals. They often treat victims as perpetrators of violence. So if the victim hasn't asked you to call the police, do not. I repeat, do not call the police. That audio you heard was played for students, that whole speech, students at Denver Southside High School. That is what the left is doing. I mentioned earlier that D.C.'s tyrannical mayor, this Muriel Bowser woman, had previously stated that there were no shots, no school. If you didn't get a vaccine, you weren't coming to school this year. Well, now the D.C. Office of State Superintendent of Education announced the COVID-19 vaccine mandate is not going to be enforced until January. It says here until January 3rd, 2022. That cannot be right. January 3rd, 2023. It has to be, because we're already past January of 2022. So I guess the parents in Washington, D.C. have a little bit more time to either get your kids vaccinated by mandate or find somewhere else for them to go to school. Here's a story that one hates to hear about. A female Colorado social social worker has been accused of making sexual advances to dozens of mothers. Robin Nista, Nista, 41 years old. She's supposedly a child protective worker. She lured parents and caretakers with alcohol into her home. She made sexual advances toward them and told these mothers that if they didn't give, pretty much she threatened them either have sex it up with her or else she was going to work through the system to get their kids, to take their kids from them. Well, she's been now charged. Well, not charged as a lawsuit, a million-dollar lawsuit. This woman would make false claims of child abuse if she didn't get her way with mothers. Mm. 
Mm. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. At the top of the hour news, uh, Jacqueline Carl, uh, WABC's Jacqueline Carl, had a story about this White House press gal, this Karen, Karen Pierre Frenchie Frenchie, what her name is, whatever her name is. Yeah, yeah, that's her name. What, what, one more time. Karine Jean-Pierre. Karine Jean-Pierre. Karine Jean-Pierre. Do, do you have the audio from that top of the hour newscast? Can we play that newscast, the top of the hour again, with, with Jacqueline Carl? I want you to listen to the report. And then after that, I want to play Stacey Abrams, which Stacey Abrams had to say about abortion, okay? So let me know when you have that. And let's listen to what Jacqueline Carr reported uh, at the top of the hour. We'll have that for you in a moment. Because this is instructive, I think, of something. It is a trend. Hmm. The point that I'm going to make, I can tell you the point in, in advance, is that some of the very people that keep arguing strenuously on behalf of these abortions should not be doing so at all. You heard this press secretary from Biden calling us. Again, she's doubling down on this whole business that we're all a bunch of fascists, that we're all terrible people, et cetera, et cetera. When in fact, I think, if anyone just gave this a little bit of thought, we should be looking at something else, another way of looking at it. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll go to the break. We'll set all this stuff up. And then when we come back from the break, we'll play it for you. WABC Talk Radio 77. It's James Golden. It's our radio extravaganza Saturday morning. We're in the final hour here. If you want to join us, 800-848-9222. 800-848-WABC. We're coming back right after this. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. You still have your platform shoes and your bell bottoms. And your strobe light. If I don't have you. I don't want nobody else. Ah, the disco days. I had a lot of fun in the disco days. I used to have these red platform shoes. I mean, I was already tall. And these shoes would, like, take it up about four inches. And then these bell-bottom pants. And I had these hand-painted bell-bottom pants. A friend of mine was an artist. 
that did a hand, like hand paint for me, acrylics on my belt. Oh, those, and then I had this fur vest they used to wear with, oh yeah, total hippie. A disco hippie. And you know what New York had then, and I know we still have it. Here's the, so much fun. You could go and you could go to like a club and just do disco and hang out. And then you could go to the, to the, to the Spanish clubs, which we used to do too. I mean, that's why living in New York was so much fun. So we would just go to the Spanish clubs and they had a whole different set of dance music. It was still, you know, it was still great dance music, but you would like, we would call it, we would go Latin. So we would Latin on the weekends and then we'd go to discos and um, you just dance all weekend long. It was so much fun. All right. We have Jonathan, we have, we have Jacqueline Carl now her newscast. Thanks, Jacqueline. We appreciate you. Let's listen to what Jacqueline said at the uh, top of the hour, because I want to take off this, and then I want Stacey Abrams right after this. So let's hit what Jacqueline reported. Abortion becoming a key issue in November's midterm elections. Speaking to reporters, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre again condemned the Supreme Court's recent ruling overturning Roe v. Wade. Republican legislators uh, are working to roll back uh, the freedoms Americans have uh, really depended on for nearly half a century. Jean-Pierre said women are fighting to reclaim rights that were stripped away by the high court. What they are still fighting for is protecting a woman's right to choose, not a national ban on abortion, which we have seen from the other side. The Supreme Court ruling left abortion up to individual states. The White House promoting President Biden's cancellation of some federal student debt. Domestic policy advisor. That's enough. All right. So we've heard now Karine Jean-Pierre talk about how, how the Republicans, these dastardly Republicans are stealing freedom from, from American women. These dastardly Republicans fighting. We have to fight these Republicans who, you know, because in, in abortions are now left up to the states. Now, let's listen to what Stacey Abrams had to say this week. We live in a state that right now has decided to take cruelty to a new level. I am the daughter of two pastors. I have a strong moral core. I was trained to read and understand the Bible, and I will tell you this. There is nothing about the decision to eliminate access to abortion care that is grounded in anything other than cruelty and meanness and danger in the state of Georgia. Nothing. Abortion care is a medical issue. It is a medical decision, and in the state of Georgia, it is a dangerous one. Brian Kemp, and yes, I'm going to call his name, is a hard-right religious extremist who has decided that he knows better than any woman about her body and has decided to make women second-class citizens in the state of Georgia in the year of our Lord, 2022. I want to address both of these black women. If the people that started Planned Parenthood had their way, both of these women wouldn't exist. They would have been aborted out of existence. Margaret Sanger 
started Planned Parenthood to get rid of black people. To Margaret Sanger and the eugenicists, black people were inferior. They were not human beings. And that means you, Stacy. That means you, Karine Jean-Pierre. Now, it used to be in America, black women were the ones that would fight hardest to keep their babies alive. It used to be back in the good old slave times, and I say good old from the standpoint of the Democrats who ran the slave markets. I'm talking to you Democrats out there. Y'all have the history of slavery in America on your blood-soaked hands and around your blood-soaked necks. That legacy is all yours, Democrats. It used to be for you, Democrats, in your good old days when y'all ran slavery, that black lives didn't mean squat. A black child could be taken away from its parents if it lived and sold at market. You held life and death in your hands. And black women back then would fight like hell to keep their families together if they could. Now you have these two black women. One of them standing up in the highest office in the land, promoting the idea that people should kill their babies and get rid of them. Proudly. The other, Stacey Abrams, unashamedly trying to quote the Bible and saying she's such a religious, spiritual woman. Here I am. I'm the, the, the daughter of two pastors. And yet here I am supporting this idea of taking life. It is cruelty, she says. It's cruelty not to have abortions. Let us talk about that for a minute because what Planned Parenthood did, and we have the proof of this. This is not hyperbole. And it's there if you want to find it. What Planned Parenthood did after they aborted these infants was harvest their body parts. They dismembered them and sold their body parts. Now, to Stacey Abrams, and I guess to Karine Jean-Pierre, there is nothing cruel about taking a baby from its mother's womb. And by the way, Miss Abrams, all learned though you are in the Bible, nobody's talking about your rights, Miss Abrams. You have the right to do with your body as you want to. And by the way, you seem to exercise that right quite well. We're not talking about your body. We're talking about the body of someone else that if you are pregnant lives in your body for up to nine months, or maybe nine months, unless they're born premature. But Planned Parenthood used to take these babies out of wombs and then dissect them and then mutilate them and sell their body parts so that they could be harvested to other interested parties. This is the kind of thing that even the Nazis didn't do. This is the kind of thing that even Goebbels, in his sick, perverted fantasies, didn't dream of doing. But this is what you liberals do, and you call it cruel to stop this? You don't think that this is cruel? You cite the Bible 
and say that this is all sanctioned by your by your religious beliefs? Really? Play that Stacey Abrams piece again. And again, listen to the way that she frames this. It is astounding. We live in a state that right now has decided to take cruelty to a new level. I am the daughter of two pastors. I have a strong moral core. I was trained to read and understand the Bible, and I will tell you this. There is nothing about the decision to eliminate access to abortion care that is grounded in anything other than cruelty and meanness and danger in the state of Georgia. Nothing. Abortion care is a medical issue. It is a medical decision, and in the state of Georgia, it is a dangerous one. Brian Kemp, and yes, I'm going to call his name, is a hard-right religious extremist who has decided that he knows better than any woman about her body and has decided to make women second-class citizens in the state of Georgia in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm sorry, Ms. Abrams, you may say that you've been trained in biblical ways and all that. I've never read anything in the Bible that continents, that gives that gives license to what you claim it does. And you may side, try to get the moral high ground and claim all this and the other, but you know what? It falls flat against the fact. There is a moral component here. You can say it's medical all you want to. It does not take the morality out of this. You people on the Democrat side, you use words to just obfuscate and to lie and to hide the morality of the issues that you're talking about. There is nothing moral. There is nothing morally correct about harvesting baby parts. There is nothing morally correct about saying that you have the ability to kill your offspring. There's nothing in the Bible I'm not going to go through chapter and verse because I don't do that here. It's not my. Ju- I don't want to start proselytizing the people. Look, you believe what you want to believe, okay? And you don't have to believe what I'm saying, but just don't don't try to sham us with these moral arguments that are based on evil. Your argument is based on evil, and you can try to hide that all you want to. You can make old buddies on the path of, 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 of Democrat socialism. But you can't hide it from people who actually have thought this through. Now, I don't ever want to be in the shape of condemning women that have had abortions and all of that stuff. That's not my point. But my point is stop trying to, to wrap this whole thing as if there's no moral decision to be made here about life. There's always a moral decision when it involves life because, Ms. Abrams, you can't create life. That life that comes through your body is not created by you. It was created by God. And it took a man and a woman and God's infinite grace to give us all human beings life. Again, I just remember a time when black women were the fiercest, pretend, the fiercest defenders of their offspring because they had to be. And look where these two black women are today, Kareem Pierre and Stacey Abrams. I have one word for both of you. Disgraceful. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. 
REO Speedwagon brings us back on WABC. This song did incredibly well for REO Speedwagon. Rose to number one. Of course. Amazing what you can forget, right? Gonna keep on loving you. Boy, that just screams eighties. <laughs> All right, um, this is a story, folks. Let me tell you something. There's a brave woman out there. The woman that runs the libs of TikTok site. Right now, she is being, this woman is being castigated all over the liberal media. They are trying to pretend that she's responsible for a rash of violent threats that have come into some of these hospitals that do transgender surgeries. There's an NPR story today, Libs of TikTok, run by a Brooklyn woman named Chaya Rachik, has 1.3 million followers on its biggest platform, Twitter, has gained prominence and influence in right-wing circles over the last year as, a conser- as conservatives increasingly try to use anti-LGBTQ sentiment to gain support. That is not what people are doing. They're reporting on what liberals are saying. These are liberals. But you see the way this is NPR. And they are trying to make Chaya the enemy. Children's hospitals, says NPR, are at the the latest target of anti-LGBTQ harassment. That is not what this is. Hospitals and doctors around the country are facing harassment, even death threats, over medical care they offer to transgender kids. In many cases, they've been subject to posts by a Twitter account called Libs of TikTok. By the way, she follows me on Twitter, and I follow her on Twitter. She's awesome. And you can reach me on Twitter at Bo Snerdley on Twitter. As well as stories in conservative media outlets casting gender-affirming care as child abuse and mutilation. It's gender-affirming. We're only cutting off penises. We're only cutting off breasts. But it's not, it's not mutilation. It's gender affirming. We're affirming. These people, they're, they're twisting of language. This is what they do. 
Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C. became the most recent target this week when Libs of TikTok posted an audio recording in which hospital staff appeared to say, appeared, appeared to say that gender-affirming hysterectomies have been performed on minors. The hospital said that claim was incorrect. Well, why should we believe them? Because we're NPR and that none of the people recorded delivered care to patients. Well, that part's true. We have it. Let's listen to what happened. Go ahead, Scott, play this. Thank you for calling National Hospital. Your call may be recorded for quality assurance. I was calling uh, for information about gender-affirming hysterectomies. Okay, you said gender-affirming hysterectomy. I've been in touch with quite a few hospitals, um, and a lot of them, well, they said they won't do it for for my 16-year-old, um, and then I was told that this hospital might, and I also saw it on your website. Um, so if you guys do uh, do it for a 16-year-old, I'll, I would be happy for you know to come for a consultation or whatever it takes. Let me get you over to the operator, and I hate to transfer you. I just, I just need to want to know if, if you guys do service that age, you know, before obviously before coming, you know, coming all the way for an in-person consult and going through all the paperwork well, and everything. Yeah, it depends. Like each department is different. Some, some departments cut off at 18. How old, how old is your patient? 16. Okay. All right. So they're in the clear. I'll email um, Dr. Call and see what we can. Right. In the meantime, if you still want me to transfer you, I can still transfer you to surgery. Okay, did you Hi, hear her? I was calling um, because okay, I'm that's, looking that's for information. Enough. That's enough. Did you hear her? Okay, how was your how was your patient? Sixteen. Okay, you're in the clear. Now, the hospital says from Children's National Hospital, she said the operator provided the wrong information. Since the spreading of misinformation on Twitter, this was not misinformation that's being spread. She spread the information that she was given by your hospital. And the woman said some departments stopped cut off at 18. But she didn't say all. We've been the target of large volumes of hostile and threatening phone calls and emails. Well, there is a story today, and you're not going to read this in many places. Because you don't want to, you don't want to. This is in the Daily Mail today. It prints out to a ten-page story. A detransitioner has told how he was brainwashed into having gender reassignment surgery after believing himself to be a woman trapped in the wrong body. The thirty-two-year-old now goes by the name shapeshifter, grew up in a Muslim country in the Balkans where even being gay was frowned upon. He was given a referral letter by Fenway Health in Massachusetts, which he claims he, the person that has had the surgery, claims has been taken over by biased pro-trans activists. The surgery itself was performed by Dr. Sherman Lees of the Philadelphia Center for Transgender Surgery. He's regarded as the United States' most experienced gender reassignment surgeon. But soon after the operation was complete in 2015, by the way, this gentleman was in his mid-20s when that happened, 
he quickly realized he had made a terrible mistake and that he was just a gay man who enjoyed presenting himself in a feminine way. The procedures he's undergone, which include the removal of his penis and the creation of a neo-vagina, are irreversible. These procedures have left him with osteoporosis, scoliosis, a vagina which his body believes is a wound and which it tries to close up, as well as, well as a host of mental health conditions, including depression and a reduced sex drive. Did you hear that? This is the so-called safe ger- surgery that they want a lot of kids to have. And I say kids, some of them over 18. But they start them on the path of this with these puberty blockers before they're even in puberty. The procedures he's undergone, which include the removal of his penis and the creation of a neo-vagina, are irreversible. They have left him with osteoporosis, scoliosis, a vagina which his body believes is a wound and which it tries to close up, as well as a host of mental health conditions, including depression and a reduced sex drive. He says he ended up feeling more depressed than before the surgery, ultimately realizing that he was simply a man who enjoyed expressing his femininity. He still wears makeup, has long hair, but says men like him need to be encouraged to feel comfortable in their femininity without being pressured into medically transitioning. This goes on, this article, for 10 pages. There are other people interviewed. Here's Blair White, 28, herself a transgender. During more than an hour-long interview, explained how after the initial surgery to become a female, he suddenly fell into a deep depression. I was happy maybe for a month or two, this is shape but then got more depressed after my surgery. My neo-vagina started constricting. I thought I was going to spread my legs and get effed, and that never really happened after I gave away my penis. I was, I'm was i sorry, folks, as if, if this is graphic, but this is the world that we're living in now. These hospitals are doing this to people, and some of these people have major regrets. One of them says, I will never be able to get my penis back which is extremely traumatic for me. I want it back and I can't. Sex is traumatic for me now because I've had a botched surgeries. And this just goes on and on and on. Now look, folks, I'm not trying to, I, I, I want the best for people. And that includes those of you who are trans. I've said all along, I understand gender, trans, I, I understand dysphoria is real. I don't want to see anybody suffer. I don't want to see these these people that are going through this suffering, having more illnesses, having to deal with depression, and to feel like, oh my gosh, what have I done to myself? This is this is irreversible, and now I'm... This is... Something's wrong here, folks. 
I'm not saying people shouldn't have the right to have surgeries. I'm not saying people, but but the way that this is all being presented as if this 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 surgery is a cure all for something, it's just not the full story. We're not getting the full story on this. And now you have all these kids that are being taught in grade school that something's wrong with them, and they're already being put on the road to do this. Society has every right to question this stuff. That's my point. We're going to end up today's show with all your phone calls. Thank you for hanging in there. So we're going to take a break. Come back. Your phone calls will take us home. Don't go away. Oh, no, politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. How long has it been since you heard that? Let's go to the telephone, speaking of go-go. Jimmy, Staten Island, New York. Welcome. You're on the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you? Hello, Jimmy. Well, let's move up to the Catskills then. And Chris, welcome. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77. Good morning, Bo. Uh, I was talking to you the other day about the Pat Ryan victory. And I can give you a number of reasons why Pat Ryan won. Uh, first most, he's a veteran, and he served a couple tours of duty over in Iraq. And Pat Ryan's uh, support staff that helped him run his campaigns, they had done some internal polling, and they figured out that that was the one variable that um, gave him an extra push and gave him split-ticket votes. So with him winning by 2.3 percentage points in that district, if, if it had been another Democratic opponent against Mark Molinaro, the opponent uh, would have been perhaps a close race the other way. Interesting. Thank you for the analysis, Chris. Do appreciate it. Let's go to Yardley, Pennsylvania. And Peter, how are you, Peter? Good morning, Bo. How are you? Good, thank uh, first you. First off, let me tell you, you're extraordinary. I tell you, I used to listen to NPR, and somehow you convinced me to uh, follow you on the afternoon show and your Saturday show. I may not agree with you, but you're fairly balanced. And when you're not in the market that I'm in, uh, I can respect your opinion. And, and as do you, your listeners. But the point Thank I wanted you. to speak to, two points. One is, you know, this thing about the uh, event happening down in Mar-a-Lago, I think there's a bigger picture. And, and the picture is not so much the uh, subpoenas, but why are we supporting presidential libraries? Why does every <laughs> president have to spend our money to have his own library? Why is everything they collect theirs? It should be the, the product, uh, the property of the people. Let them keep their own pictures and whatnot and do what they want. But spending millions and billions over time for every president is nonsense. It's pure nonsense. The fiction well, that was created. they do raise private funds for these libraries, by the way. The presidential libraries are not taxpayer funded. They are raised by individual. That's one of the big um, um, fundraising pushes that these presidents go on. Now, the archives, by the way, um, the archives that are kept by the United States are paid for by the taxpayers. 
but the presidential libraries themselves, those the, the money's raised for that privately. Then I, then I misunderstood what was going on. But I think that all the books and records should be the property of the people, except for those obvious personal stuff. And the other mm. issue that, that I think needs to be uh, addressed, you know, the $10,000, $20,000 grants and giveaways, I, miss it. I think we're missing the point. Uh, was it Harvard has a $50 billion endowment? Yale has a $40 billion endowment. Let the government require, and they get tax breaks on these things. Let the government require them to contribute and maintain a level of, of expenses that's consistent with the economy. No one can afford fifty, sixty, dollars $100,000 a year for tuition. So education is important to us, but subsidizing these colleges, whether it's a small or the large, is something that they should be self-sufficient on their own. And causing us to have to pay for it is just overstepping the mark, overstepping the mark. You have put your finger on the hot button. You see... These colleges are not even teaching things that are relevant to a lot of kids. And yet they're charging all this money, and these kids are going deeper and deeper in debt. And now the taxpayers are on the hook for it. It should start with the colleges. You put your finger right on that button, Peter. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Margaret in Westchester County, how are you this morning? I'm okay, Bo. Thank you for taking my call. Um, And thank you to Peter for making that wonderful point. I have two points now that I've listened to you um, a little while. First of all, about in the soundbite from Denver, this person is saying that you should um, not call the police, mm-hmm. risk your life to help somebody, don't get any backup from the police. Yet on the other hand, there's probably the same person who's going to complain if you suggest teachers should carry guns. Mm. <laughs> Interesting point. Yes, yes, yes. And by the way, that uh, that video, the idea that this is being played for high school students is egregious. It's egregious. Uh, but this is just part of where the leftist indoctrination is going on. Margaret, brilliant point. I have news for Liz Abrams. The Bible does say something about abortion. It says, thou shalt not kill. Thank you. That would be Stacey Abrams, the uh, the biblical genius there. Thank you, Margaret. Appreciate the call very much. Brady, Staten Island, New York. Uh, Mr. Goldman, we have to remember that the people who fought and won in the revolution against the British were not college educated. They're not even high school educated. They were agricultural, blue-collar workers and tradesmen. 200 years later, it's come full circle with people who go to college uh, it told show that they even favor socialism. People who go who get to the Vietnam War, who said, who fought and died in Vietnam, were not college educated. In fact, uh, the army said that if you go to college, you don't have to even go to the army. As a result, the people who fought in Vietnam, forty-five thousand Americans died in Vietnam were mainly blue-collar workers. And the people that are... mm -hmm, Go ahead. So why are we doing what? The the people who died in Vietnam, the people who go to college today, polls show that even socialism is a great idea. That's what the kids who go to college think of of today. If, If America will ever be saved, 
it will be the blue-collar workers who save them, not the college-educated class. Brilliant point, Brady. I said earlier, this is one of the things that Ari Fleischer raised when we spoke with him this week, that the Democrats' core base that agrees with them the most are college-educated liberal. And that is exactly the crowd you're talking about. Jimmy in Staten Island is back with us. Jimmy, your point? I apologize. I was waiting an hour and a half. I grew a beard, and then all of a sudden I ran to the phone and I heard my name both but disconnected, so I apologize, Bo. No worries. Yes. No I adore you. I think you are magnificent, and then that's Thank just you. not hyperbole. What gets on my nerves is this. Is this the end of America? No. Let me just get, no, let me get these couple of shots out. Is this the end? Of, this is in my head. Is this the end of America? Is this When I went to college and I got all these crackpot professors, I was almost thrown out because I fought with every one of them. They were going against my values and the way I was brought up. However... What no one's talking about the nuclear deals that's going on in Iran, that they're so close to getting the nuclear warheads, and Netanyahu's having a nervous breakdown. The border, there is no border. It's an open door policy. Biden, we know, has a lot of problems. Whether he's sick or not, or just a demonic person like his whole uh, congregation there, I don't know what to do, but as a young man who worked. And I was in service. I was a car service. I don't know if that matters. But and when you were describing bell bottoms and high heels back in the 70s, I was 400 pounds. Do you know what I look like going out? What? The Liberty Bell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, Bo, I have to tell you, I'm now 158 pounds. I love my America. Whether it be all we need is a good President, President Trump, a lot of people feel this way, that way, whatever, but his policies were magnificent. You were proud to be an American. You could go, go to the theater. You could walk the streets. But right now, we're in a dark place. And Stacey Abrams, I mean, I don't understand her. She wants to talk about abortion, like you said, body parts. But I heard about selling body parts years ago when Veritas had the camera going. Absolutely. Drinking wine and saying, well, I need a lung for this and to get my Lamborghini. That's what they equate human life, God's miracle. No, it's a disgrace. But I'm going to tell you, Bo, a lot of people say it, but I mean it. And I am a devout Catholic. I love you. You get your point across. And when you were getting angry this morning, I still listen to a radio, a real radio. I almost kicked the radio in because you were so right that the whole world is wrong. You are excellent at what you do. And my Rush Limbaugh, he's got, I got a picture of him on my bureau, one of the finest men I ever met. Jimmy, God rest I love you. Thank You're you. amazing. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much. Let us go to Tommy in Brooklyn, New York. Tommy. Good morning, Bo. How are you? I'm good, but we're uh, running out of time. Make it quick, well, okay, Tommy. I just want to criticize you on shows during the week. You don't have enough time. Your show's too short. We need more of you. Um, there's enough butt kissing now. Um, I am very upset. I'm a, I'm a soldier. Well, I mean, retired. I'm medically retired. And I have some problems with Biden doing this. He's calling people uh, fascist or semi-fascist. I, I fought for this country, you know, and maybe not the best war in the world. I was in Iraq and wasn't really happy about it. Now I'm not even less happy, but still, I mean, I love my country. I love that we're, we're a republic, a federal republic, constitutional federal republic. 
I don't want it to change. Well, what is going on? And this on is our fight, so Tommy. You're absolutely right. And to hear this man insult people like you, you, who gave your sacrifice, your time, your energy, your youth to help fight for this country's existence, and for this man to tell you that you don't love your country and you're a fascist, Joe Biden is a disgrace. He is a disgrace. These Democrats are disgraceful, and this is not going to work. It will not work, and it will not stand. Tommy, we love you. Thank you for your service. God bless you, my friend. Bill, Long Island, you're on WABC, Talk Radio 77. How are you, Bill? Uh, God bless you, Bo. Uh, listen, I read a, pa- a piece of, in the Post today, not today, about two, three days ago, about this transgender uh, industry. And according to this journalist, it's a $1.3 billion industry, and it's growing. And that's why all of these doctors and hospitals that are doing this are promoting it along with the pharmaceutical companies. Because the pharmaceuticals, they start to make money on it on a, for the person's lifetime. Okay? Boom. So you transgender somebody at six years old, you got somebody that's going to pay you for the next 60 years. Probably Thank you. You nailed it. And time is up for us. We got to start to say goodbye because the third hour's done. Done and run. Thank you all. God bless each and every one of you. God protect each and every one of you and your families. Back Monday for Bo Snurry's Rush Hour. Thanks to the crew. Remember Larry Cudlow up next. Remember Cousin Brucey up later. WABC Talk Radio 77, the crown jewel of American radio. See you Monday. Bye.